Welcome to another sermon from New Bethel Baptist Church. I hope that this sermon will help you to better know who God is, challenge you to grow in your faith, and compel you to go and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, so for those who are staying in here, we can go, go ahead and turn to Psalm 25 in your Bible. Psalm 25. And if you notice, this is the uh, passage that you're going to be, that we're, we are looking in, um, we're looking at uh, today. Um, in VBS, it's our theme passage. We're going to be looking at the whole psalm in here. And, and so this is, um, today's sermon is titled, God's Will for Your Desires. God's Will for Your Desires. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today as we look at um, God's Word for us. We look at His um, what he wants us to do. Desires, when we think about that, that's the things that you want, the things that you want in, in your life. What are the things that you want? What are you chasing after? What are the things that you are going after in your life? And I think Psalm 25, the whole idea of, of this passage is, uh, make your ways known to me, Lord, teach me your path, and we're going to see how we can follow God with our life. We can see how we can follow him and we're going to look at how what we want should be influenced by that and how what we want should be influenced by how we follow God. So what is your goal in life? I want you to think about this before we read. What is your goal in life, and how are you going about pursuing it? How are you pursuing your goal in life? So let's look at Psalm 25, and you can follow along in your Bible. So Psalm 25 of David, Lord, I appeal to you, my God, I trust in you. Do not let me be disgraced. Do not let my enemies gloat over me. No one who waits for you will be disgraced. Those who act treacherously without cause will be disgraced. Make your ways known to me, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. I wait for you all day long. Remember, Lord, your compassion and your faithful love, for they've existed from antiquity. Do not remember the sins of my youth or the acts of rebellion. In, in keeping with your faithful love, remember me because of the goodness, because of your goodness, Lord. The Lord is good and upright, therefore he shows sinners the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the Lord's ways show faithful love and truth to those who keep his covenant and decrees. Lord, for, your, for the sake of your name, forgive my iniquity. For it is immense. Who is this person who fears the Lord? He will show him the way he should choose. He will live a good life, and that his descendants will inherit the land. The secret counsel of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he reveals his covenant to them. My eyes are always on the Lord, for he will pull my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am alone and afflicted. The distresses of my heart increase. Bring me out of my sufferings. Consider my affliction and forgive all my sins. Consider my enemies, they are numerous, and they hate me violently. Guard me and rescue me, and do not let me be put to shame. For I take refuge in you. May integrity and what is right watch over me, for I wait for you. God, redeem Israel from all its distresses. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you for this time that we can have together to look at your word, to, to see what it says to us. And God, I pray that you'll be with us as we look at this psalm, as we look at what it means to us, what we can learn from it about how we should uh, deal with the desires that we have in our life. 
God, I pray that you will be with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. And so when we look at this passage, when we look at the Psalms, it can be hard at times to, uh, to just initially off the bat when you're reading something else in Scripture to just notice all of the themes. You have to look at it, kind of break it down a little bit. So God's will for your desires. The first thing we see with your desires, the things you want, and I'm not here talking necessarily about the negative desires we have. That's, that's a whole different issue that, that from what we're focusing on today. But what does God want you to deal with the things you want in your life? The first thing we see, we see this in David's example in Psalm 25, is that we should go to God. The first thing you do with your desires, if you want to follow God's will for the desires you have, is that you go to God. What do we see? The very first thing he says in this passage, Lord, I appeal to you, my God, I trust in you. Very at the very beginning of this passage, right out of the gate, he is invoking the name of the Lord. Because we see that there, L-O-R-D, all capitals. This is the personal name of God, Yahweh or Jehovah. I appeal to you. I'm coming to you for the answers to the things I'm looking for. I have some desires in my life. I have some things I want to see happen in life. So where am I going? I'm going to you. Before he even mentions his desires, I'm coming to you, God. Very specifically, the one true God. I want you to think about that in your life and in the life of people you've observed around you. Many times when we have desires in our life, we go anywhere and everywhere but God. We go to the things in this world and we look to see if we can find fulfillment in those places. We go to our friends and our family and see if we can get answers and fulfillment in those places. But the first place we should go is to God. We go to God with our desires. We go to God with what we want. And we know we can approach Him with our desires because God is gracious enough and loving enough to correct us when we're wrong and help to clarify the desires of our hearts. And so David goes to him, and the desire he's bringing in Psalm 25 too is, do not let me be disgraced. Do not let my enemies gloat over me. And so from the context of this passage, it would seem that David at this point is fleeing from Saul and those that would come after him. And so his desire is, I don't want to be disgraced. I don't want my enemies to gloat over me. I, just please deliver me from the hand of these people who are seeking to do evil to me. And I think in some way, shape, or form, we all have a similar desire. None of us want to be undone. None of us want to be just uh, uh, taken advantage of, and we don't want to see defeat in our life where we feel like everything has failed, everything has been swept out from underneath of us, that the, the bad intentions maybe people had in our life have prevailed, and, and we just are a failure. We don't want to be a failure in front of people. We don't want to be a failure in front of God. Perhaps we have a desire to, to live in a way that matters. We don't want to waste our life. But beyond this desire we see in David to not be disgraced, the desire for God. And so when we think about our desires, this is the point of this where we have to clarify what it is we desire in this life. Because David doesn't want to be disgraced, but more than that, he wants to be led by and to know God. He wants to have a relationship with God. And so everything we're talking about today presupposes, starts with the idea that you have a relationship with God. It has this foundation that you know who God is, and you realize that your desires should be after Him and the things He wants for your life. And so what do I mean by that? It doesn't mean you don't have any other desires in your life, but they are always pointing toward and in a direction that God is good with. You aren't chasing after things that are contrary to God and then asking God to help you in those things. 
your desires should be in, a, in accord and in direction with and keeping with following God in your life. Our earthly desires should be subject to this greater desire. So everything we want to do, everything we want to accomplish is not wrong. It's not wrong to want to succeed in your work or in your business. It's it's definitely not wrong to want to be a good husband or wife or or a parent. But those things should be done in accordance with and in pursuit of following and desiring God. So his first desire is he takes his desires to God. So you go to God with your desires, and then you also go to God for forgiveness. Because he realizes that if he wants to see these desires accomplished, if he wants to follow God faithfully in his life, that's going to start with a reconciliation of his life with God's will for him. We're talking about David. David says, forgive my iniquity for it's great. Forgive me the sins and transgressions and the the, the dumb stuff I did when I was younger. Several times David acknowledges before God his need for forgiveness. Because without God's forgiveness, nothing else is going to matter for him. He could have victory in life, but still be wicked, and there's judgment for him. And so he realizes, I want to be successful in life. I want to serve you. I don't want to be taken over by these evil people pursuing me. My enemies are great. But also, I'm going to acknowledge that if I want these things to happen, I have to be in right relationship with you. If I want your will to be done in my life, I have to be in right relationship with you. So we go to God and we ask Him for what we desire. And that's okay. That's right. We should go to God with our desires. But when you're going to God for your desires, you also ought to be going to God to acknowledge your need of salvation, to acknowledge your need of repentance. Because if you want God to work in your life, but you're not allowing Him to work in the ways you need forgiveness, there's a disconnect there. You can't be holding on to things that God opposes and expect God to work in your life. And so anytime we're asking God to move, there should be an acknowledgement. Please forgive my sin. It's great. Please forgive me for the ways that I have disobeyed you. Forgive me for the ways that I have not followed you. Help me to follow you in my life. And here are some specific ways I feel I need you to work. So we go to God with our desires. We go to God for forgiveness. We also go to God for direction. This is the only place we should turn for how we live our life. When we look at this passage over and over and over again, he talks about, make your ways known to me, Lord. Teach me your paths. Over and over again, this this key verse we're looking at for this week in VBS. Teach me what you want me to do. Show me how I should live. Because without that direction, without this guidance, we are lost. We, in and of ourselves, are going to go the wrong way. We're going to make mistakes. That's why we needed a Savior in Jesus. Because in and of ourselves, we walk into sinfulness. We walk into wickedness. We chase after our heart's desires rather than the desires of the Lord. And we see bad things be a result of that. So we are going to God. We go to Him with our desires. We ask for forgiveness, and we ask Him for direction. Show me what you want me to do. Show me the way that I should walk, because we know that God's plans for us, His will for us, is far greater than our own, or what anyone else in this world will lead us into. And because we go to God, we can and we should trust in God. So the first thing we see from David is he goes to Him. Lord, I appeal to You. And then we see that he trusts in who God is. We see this is also right at the beginning, Psalm 25, 6. Or we see it right at the beginning. My God, I trust in you. The very beginning of verse 2. My God, I trust in you. So he goes to him 
because he trusts in him. I want you to think about that. Have you ever had a time in your life where you were at rock bottom and, and in that moment you knew who you could go to? You knew who you could talk to. You knew that person you could call. Why? Because you trust them. You go to the people that you trust in. And because you go to them, you also ought to trust them. And so he, trusts, he goes to God because he trusts in him. He knows him. And because of this, we see throughout this psalm a declaration of who God is. Psalm 25, 6, he says this, Remember, Lord, your compassion and your faithful love for they've existed for antiquity. He goes on and on through this passage. He talks about the Lord's faithful love. He talks about the Lord's goodness, how the Lord is good and upright, how the Lord has truth, how, how the Lord works for the sake of His name, and how the Lord is the God of His salvation. Why in this passage where he's like beat up and everything's coming down on him, his enemies are, are coming against him, and he's, he's just not wanting to be undone, why is he talking about how great God is? Because that's, that's, the first, that's one of the first things we should do. It helps us to declare who God is. Why? Well, the first reason is because it's true. When we declare these things about his goodness, about his faithful love that's endured from the, from the beginning of time, about how he loves us, how he will, he's the God of salvation, how he has forgiveness in his name, we declare these things because they're true. And when we do this, when we testify to these things, it testifies to others about who God is. When you think about in the Old Testament in particular, when people talk about who God is, when people hear about who God is, what are they associated with? The things that God has done. This is the God that brought you out of Egypt. This is the God who delivered you from the hand of, of Goliath, right? We're talking about David here. We oftentimes speak of God, in the Old Testament in particular, about the things that he has done. Because when people hear about the things that he has done, they know what kind of God we're hearing about. This is the God, when we think about how we talk about our faith, the God who has forgiven me for my sins, the God that did not withhold his only son, but gave him so that we could be forgiven in Christ. And so when we declare who God is, the people who hear it know who we're talking about. Because there's a lot of people that say, oh, I believe in God, I follow God. But they're not talking about Jehovah. They're not talking about God, Yahweh, the one who created the heavens and the earth, the one who rules over them, the one who delivers and frees people, forgives them for their sins. Because when we specify it that way, a lot of people don't follow God. They follow their imagination of who God is. We declare God about, we declare who God is, what he's done, because it's true. It testifies to others who we're talking about, and it reminds us of who we're appealing to. I want you to think the great comfort that David had as he goes to God. I appeal to you, God, the one who has faithful one, the faithful love, the one who's delivered me, the one who has, who has all power and authority. He's going and he's saying these things. I, by the end of this psalm, I guarantee he's a lot more confident in his situation. I want you to think about the things you've faced in your life, the things you've learned in your life. Uh, you know, for me, I, I used this example earlier with, with, the, with the youth, but for me, weightlifting is something I really enjoy doing. I remember when I was in elementary school and I went to the, the high school weight room and watched the football players lifting, and they had what 135, 135 pounds on the bar, which is the bar and one big plate on each side. I was like, man, that's a lot of weight. And it looks like a goal that seems un un insurmountable for me, that's the small kid at that time. But then as you grow and you live through your life, that becomes a weight that is a warm-up in your process. 
And so when you encounter a new difficulty in your life, and you're like, oh, how am I going to come over this difficulty that's in front of me? But you look back and you say, God has already delivered me from this. He's delivered me from this. He's delivered me from this. These are in my rear view. Why should I be afraid of this thing in front of me? Because God has delivered me. The things that used to seem insurmountable have been conquered by God. And so when we name and we realize and we remember the things that God has done, there's nothing magical about that. There's no uh, special power in, in revealing those things, but it reminds us of the God we serve. It reminds us that the, the same God that delivered us from these things, the same God that delivered David from his trouble, is the same God we serve today. So when we have a desire, if it is good and in keeping with what God's will for our life is, if it is a desire that pursues God, we know that God is going to be with us in that. So it reminds us of who we are appealing to and who we are trusting in. And this is why we should wait on God. So we go to Him, we trust in Him, and we should wait on God. This is something he says several times through this passage. When you read Psalms, when you read the Bible, pay attention to things that are repeated. At the very beginning and at the end, and maybe at least once in between, between he says this. So he starts at Psalm 25.3. No one who waits for you will be disgraced. Those who act treacherously without cause will be disgraced. And so his desire that he's taken to God, the one that he trusts, is, I don't want to be disgraced. How, does he, how is someone not disgraced? Those who wait for God. And so we see through this the theme of waiting on the Lord, letting the Lord work in the middle of our circumstances, letting the wor- Lord work in the middle of our lives so that His will is done and not our foolish, quick, treacherous will that leads to disgrace. And in doing this, we have to acknowledge that God's ways are better than our ways. And that's what the Lord says in the Bible. He says, my ways are not your ways. They are higher than your ways. They are loftier. They are in a different realm than yours. So what God plans and does is better than what we would plan and do. I want you to think about a situation that I know I've been in many times where you go to the store and it seems like for some reason the, the package of batteries or whatever it might be that, that you've bought has the most ridiculous, difficult, it's like it was made to never be opened, to never be used. And you go and you destroy this thing. End up, for me, you know, I usually just don't even go. I just stick my fingers, try to pull it apart, and I end up maybe cutting myself even. And then I get to the end of it, and I realize there's a little pull tab <laughs> that would have given me easy access to what I was trying to get to. This is what it, how we look often when we don't wait for the Lord. We take things into our own hands. We, we have this treacherous, destructive approach to how we're going to solve this problem that comes into our life. And then we realize, oh, this could have been a lot simpler. This could have been a lot less painful if I had waited on the Lord. He had a better thing in mind than I did. He had a better way than I had. So we should wait on the Lord because His ways are better than our ways. And God's timing is also better than our timing. We are hasty and we are reckless, but God is perfect in how he works. We just don't always understand it. I want you to think about when you're, when you're walking with a child and you need to get to the other side of the street, and their immediate inclination is, let's get there as fast as we can, let's go. And, and hopefully every time you're able to grab that child and you pull them back, you say, we do not run across the street. Why? 
Because there are cars, and those cars don't, are not always able to stop. And so just like we grab the back of that child and we pull them back, because we know we need to take precaution. We know if there's a little red hand there, we don't walk. We wait for the, the little man walking. We should know that God's timing is better than our timing. Why? Because He see th- sees things we don't. He knows things we don't. And we are hasty, and we are reckless, and we, are he- we will often head straight into destruction without being aware of what's going to happen. So we wait on the Lord. We wait to see what He wants us to do. We wait to see what His timing is so that we don't walk head-on into traffic. We wait to see what He's going to do. And we wait because God's results are better than our results. When we undertake things in our life, maybe we'll produce a result, but it's going to have some problems. It's going to have some difficulty. God's results are so much better than our results. I think about a, a song that I, that I remember hearing is a country song by Garth Brooks called uh, Unanswered Prayers. And it's, it's a silly song because it's talking about this, this guy and his wife that go to the football game and he sees his, his girlfriend he dated in high school and and he remembers how he used to pray all the time that God would just uh, let them be married and live their life together. And by the end, of the, he, he ends up saying one of God's greatest gifts is unanswered prayers. He thanks God. He looks at his life. He's like, this is so much better than what I had in mind. And, and so when we think about, think about your life, how many things that you've prayed for in your life, if you looked back at them, you would say, I am sure glad that God did not answer that prayer. I am sure glad that God did not give me what, he, what I wanted because His plans, His results are so much better than anything that I could have asked for. There are times in my life where I can look and say, man, I was praying for this, I was praying for this specific thing, but I didn't realize what God was doing. I didn't realize that the way that God was shaping me and preparing me for what it was to come next. I didn't realize that, that what God was doing in my life was something that was bigger than what I realized. God's results are so much better than our results. And so we go to God with our desires. We've got to make sure they line up with His. We make sure He is still our greatest desire. Those things fit within what we know His plan is for our life. We trust in Him because of who He is. We wait on Him because He's better than us at, at figuring all these things out. But then in this process, too, we follow God. We follow God. Psalm 25, 4, this is where we, we go to Him and we want to know His ways. Make your ways known to me, Lord. Teach me your paths. Psalm 25, 8, the Lord is good and upright. Therefore, He shows sinners the way. Thank goodness He shows it to sinners or else we'd all be undone. We'd have no hope. He shows sinners the way. He forgives them. He teaches them His paths. The, the way that we do well, the way that we do this right is to follow the Lord and how He leads us. We don't just go to Him. We don't just trust in Him. We don't just wait on Him. We follow Him. If we were to go to God to trust in Him for the results and to wait on Him, we are treating God as a wishing well and not as the God of the universe. Because we, but we, we go to Him with our request. We believe that He can do it. We, we just wait for it to happen. That's tossing your coin into a wishing well and waiting for something to happen. We follow God as He leads us. I want you to imagine getting into your car, opening up your Maps app, putting in your destination, and then just sitting there. Are you going to get there? 
Are you going to arrive at your destination? You believe your car can get you there, but unless you follow where he shows you, you're not doing what you ought to do. You're not being obedient in how he calls you to live. We're called and compelled to follow where God leads us. Obedience to him. So this is revealed through a desire for his commands. We can't, part of following God and part of wanting to be obedient to Him, wanting to our desires to be His, is having a desire for His commands. This idea of make your ways known to me, Lord, teach me your paths, this should be the cry of our heart. we got to go to Him. We want to we know what do you want me to do? How do you want me to act in this situation? How do you want me to respond to this difficulty? How do you want me to handle these things? How do we do that? Prayer, godly counsel, in Scripture. Go to Him. Seek it out. Ask Him to do it. Go to the things He's given you to figure it out and seek to know what God's will for you. We have to have a desire for His commands. But we also have to have a desire to keep His commands. Help me to follow you, Lord. Help me to follow through. Help me to be obedient in walking the path you've shown me is your will. Because the Bible is very clear that this is how we know that we love God. 1 John 5.3 says this, For this is, what lo- this is what love for God is, to keep His commands. And His commands are not a burden. I want you to understand this. That following God, having a relationship with Him, should not be something that is a burden in your life. When you realize that God loves you, that He did not withhold His only Son. He gave Him for you so that you could be reconciled with Him, that you could be forgiven so that you can live your life to spend eternity with Him, that His plans for you are better than your plans for you, even if it's not initially what you might want or think, you realize, man, following Him is not a burden. There comes a point in your life as a child when it's not a burden to stop at that red hand because you know that it's better for you. And so in, in your relationship with God, yeah, when you're a new Christian and you've had sin in your life, you realize you've got to get out. It's hard. It's hard to put things that you've lived in your life away in favor of something different. But there comes a point when you look back and say, I am so glad that I've put those things away and I follow God. When, when you look at your life and you think, man, there, there's going to be times I have to sacrifice to follow God. I have to, there's things in my life that I want to do I have to say no to. Not because they're bad, but because there's something better that God would have me to do. And at some point in your life, you're like, man, it's not a a burden to say no to this. It's not a burden to make church a priority in my life. I want to worship God. I want to hear from His Word. I want to be with His people. So there's this transformation that takes place in your life. It's not about, i got to put the shackles on and, and, and just be burdened by who God is. And if I just work hard, it's a joy to follow God. It doesn't always start that way. And sometimes there's difficulty in that process. But when you love God more, it's, it's joyful to follow Him. It's joyful to keep His commands. And we know that God blesses those who keep His commandments. They will not be disgraced. This is what this passage tells us. If we want to not waste our life, if we want our desires to, 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 if we want our desires to be things that are good and beneficial for us and for others, we follow God. We keep his commands. We won't see disgrace. We won't look at the the end of our life. We won't look back and say, 
man, I wasted my life. I, I chased after things that didn't matter. I, I lived a life that wasn't glorifying to God. It didn't mean anything. The person that follows God won't say that. They'll go home without regrets. The question we have is whether we will follow God. And, and the last verse in this passage I think is interesting. This whole passage has been about David and what's happening in his life and the desires he has of not being disgraced and how, of who God is and how he wants God to work in his life. But the last thing he says, God, redeem Israel from all its distresses. And so in the middle of his difficulty, in the middle of the people of Israel, the king of Israel coming after him, he wants Israel to prosper, to be redeemed from its distresses. And so we have to remember we have to remember, no matter what we are facing, no matter what we are going through, there is a, a mission, a calling that He has given all believers. At this point, it's not about Israel. It's about the world. We have to seek to take the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is to those who are dying in their sin. See, the, the Israel is the chosen people of God. And he wants to see all these bad things rectified. And right now, God has grafted in not just the Jewish people, but all people by the blood of Christ. And so if we were to learn from what he's saying here, this isn't what he's saying, but we learn from this example. We pray for, we handle the things in our life in this way, but through it all we cannot lose focus on the fact that we have a mission. We have a commission we've been given by Jesus to go and make disciples of all nations so that they can be redeemed, so they can be forgiven and know this God who loved them enough to send His Son to die for their sins, for our sins. So we remember, no matter what desires we have good, hopefully at the end of this process it's good because we realize that they're in accordance with God's will, we have to be involved in the process of making disciples. That's why we do VBS. This isn't just a time to come and have fun and decorate it's a time to reach people for Jesus, to teach them about the ways of God so that they can follow, they can know Him, have a relationship with Him. And so as we come to this time, I want to challenge you to look at your life. Are your desires desires that line up with being desires you can take to God? That's the first test. The very first thing he says, Lord, I appeal to you. My God, I trust in you. There, there is a reality we have to acknowledge that we all, at points in our life, have struggled with sinful desires. If you have desires you're chasing after in your life that you can't take to God, they ought not be desires you have. And if you're taking these desires to God, allow him to mold you and to, to change your desires because your ultimate desire is to go after him. What are your desires in life? Are you going through this process of taking to him trusting in Him, waiting on Him, and following Him in your life? Is there a part in that process that's breaking down? Do you need to trust God more? Do you need to wait on God more? Do you need to follow God more? Where in your life do you need to respond? Are you taking the gospel, trying to make disciples? This morning, I want to ask you the most important question is, do you know Him this morning? Do you have a relationship with you? Is with him is part of your inclination to even go to God in the first place? Because I want to tell you that the truth of who God is is that He loves you, but you're at odds with Him because of your sin. 
He loves you so much that he sent his son. The only way that we can be redeemed is by believing in what Jesus has done for us. Because for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What does this mean? Our sin is not something we can pay for by doing enough good deeds, but God paid it by the blood of Jesus. So that if we believe in him, we can be saved. We can be forgiven. We can be made new and redeemed. And if you want that this morning, I would challenge you to respond today. I would challenge you wherever you're at to respond in whatever way God is working in your life. The altar will be open. I'll be down front for prayer or to, to talk with you about anything you may have going on in your life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us, this time that we could come together. Lord, I pray that you would, you would bless us, that you would help us to, to just take our desires to you, to trust in you, to wait on you, to, to follow you where you lead. And that you would bless those, those efforts. You would bless the things that we seek to do in obedience to you, God. And I pray that if there's anyone who does not know you, that today would be the day they turn to you. I pray that where each of us are struggling in our own lives, where each of us need to follow you and be obedient in our own lives, we would be obedient to you this morning. God, I pray that you would just move among us in a powerful way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope this sermon has been a blessing to you today. If you have any questions about what you've heard, we would love to hear from you through our church Facebook page, email, or by calling the church office.